0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon exploring the history and significance of baptism for a believer in Christ. If you're interested in being baptized, we would love to talk with you. Send an email to office at
1: valleybrook.cc.
0: This morning, we're going to talk about the, uh, the process, the, the concept, the idea of baptism. We've just gotten through this uh, series on the Holy Spirit, and as we come in here today, we, we uh, come to sit at uh, the Lord's feet and turn to God's Word and see what it says about this whole idea about baptism. I'm going to invite Karen Gill to come up. She's going to share with us about her decision to be baptized last year. So Karen, come on up. do it the same way. I'll hold the microphone, okay?
1: Good morning. Uh, Pastor Clark had called me and asked me if I would be willing to share why did I decide to be baptized? Well, I was baptized as an infant, a decision that was made by my parents, who loved me and agreed to nurture me in the Christian faith. I am so grateful for my upbringing and the faith of my parents who raised me. For many years, I felt that my infant baptism, my acceptance of Christ as my Lord and Savior at age 12, and having been confirmed in the church was enough. As I continued to grow in the Lord, you know, through reading His Word and teaching, studying, through prayer and worship, I, I became empowered. I became empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk more fully in His righteousness and love. After having attended Valley Brook for, I think, two to three years, I, I felt that I was entering a new season in my life, and that the Lord, through His Holy Spirit, was doing something new in me. I wanted more. I was moved by the Holy Spirit to be baptized by immersion after Pastor Clark's sermon and invitation one Sunday morning. And that was last September. He asked the question, what are we boasting about? And more specifically, he was saying that we need to boast about what Jesus has done for us. Well, that started stirring something in me. Yes, I had boasted about the Lord, I had shared the Lord with others, and um, I love him. But um, I was moved. I was moved by the Holy Spirit that morning. I wanted to express my faith and love and commitment to Christ openly. A decision that I would make be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who lives in me and with me as I continue on my faith journey. For me, adult baptism was an act of worship, an act of praise and adoration to my Lord. And that day, he he gave me a verse that um, many of us know and we've heard all our lives but but it was especially uh significant to me that day and it was from 2 corinthians 5:17, and it says if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has gone and the new has come mm-hmm. and i did feel like a new person that day i had been renewed in him And I was thankful that I was moved to actually in obedience to him to become baptized.
0: Thank you, Karen. Don't go away. I'm going to pray for you. Show her your appreciation, please. Father, we're so grateful for Karen and Chip's obedience to be baptized last year. And we just ask that you would continue to bless them in this new season, that you would draw them closer to you as they seek to be faithful followers of you all the days of their lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Karen. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about baptism. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, ever looked on the internet uh, at baptism interviews, but that's probably something that pastors do. But uh, there's this one uh, video that goes out there, and the pastor comes, uh, a young boy comes out, and he asks him if he believes in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he says, yes, I do. He said, all right, I'm gonna baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He lays him under the water, he brings him back up. He helps him out of the baptismal tank. As he's standing there waiting for the next person to come in to be baptized, all of a sudden, you see a blur of activity. A young boy comes and launches himself in the air into a cannonball and jumps into the baptismal and water goes everywhere. So, probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in a baptism and I hope to never experience. But we're going to talk about baptism today and what it means. And if you're following along and you want to take some notes, there's a spot in your bulletin where you can take some notes in the blank page that's there. We're going to look at some things about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ when it comes to baptism. And here's the first thing that I, I want to say, and it really parallels what Karen just said. Baptism is an act of faithful obedience. Baptism is an act of faithful obedience. Jesus said to his disciples, before he ascended into heaven, he gave them these instructions. We call it the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. So, so here we have Jesus commanding his followers to... Go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything that he's followed. And truly, it's supposed to be something that's ongoing. So once somebody becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, they are baptized, they they follow the commands, and they begin to teach that to everybody else. We're in that line of that process. If you become a follower of Jesus, that's part of the process that all of us are moving through in our lives. Here's what we need to understand, that when we're baptized we're following this command that Jesus has given us. Luke recorded Jesus saying this. He says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say?" So Jesus raises this understanding that as followers of Jesus, if we believe in him and we accept him as our Lord and our savior, then we're going to follow his commands. In the Gospel of John, we read this Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So, so here we have this idea that Jesus has commanded us to go and make disciples and baptize them and teach people to follow him. So here we understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, when we obey his commands, we're showing him that we love him. So we need to understand that baptism is an act of faithful obedience. The second thing we need to understand is this, baptism identifies a person as a follower of Jesus Christ. Share, uh, Karen shared that verse from 2 Corinthians 5:17. It, it's a powerful verse because it says something about a follower of Jesus when they have come to faith in Jesus that they're no longer their old person, uh, the person who didn't believe in Jesus, uh, the person that that Paul says was, we were once enemies of God, we're no longer enemies. We're sons, we're daughters, we're friends. And this is what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone and the new life has begun. So this this idea that when a person decides to believe in Jesus, they become a new person. Their sins are forgiven. They've decided to follow him. They've decided to be obedient to him, so that they're a new person. In the book of Galatians, we read it this way: "So in Christ Jesus, you were all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. In other words, you've taken him on. You've become a follower. You've taken part of his name, his title, Christ." as our identity by calling ourselves a Christ follower or a Christian. So let's talk a little bit about baptism by immersion. Uh, I, I shared with the congregation the first service uh, um, when my sister and I were going through my parents' uh, estate at, after they had passed, we came across an entire box filled with 35 millimeter slides. And as we were holding them up to the light and looking at them, we realized there were some cool pictures in there we wanted to have developed. And when we had them developed, lo and behold, there was a picture, there were several pictures of me. One on my mom's lap as an infant and one on my dad's lap as an infant. Now this was important to me. I'm second born. You know what that means? There are no infant pictures of me, right? Some of you second borns, third borns, you know that? yeah. So here it was, I was so excited. There was finally a picture of me, and and I had one blown up and and put it uh, in a frame and put it on my desk, and then one day I was looking at it a little bit closer. And the more I looked at it, I go, there's something red in my hair. And I got a little closer and looked, it's it's a bow. There's a red bow in not my hair, it's my sister's hair, it's my sister, it's not me. So there's still no pictures of me as an infant. So, no, and no baptism pictures of me as an infant. My sister was baptized, mom and dad took pictures of her being baptized I, as an infant. I was baptized as an infant and there's no pictures of me. I'm second born, but, but I bring that up because when my parents baptized my sister and baptized me, it was something beautiful. They were following the teaching of their church. They were being raised in the faith so that they wanted to say, hey, we believe in Jesus and we want to raise Clark to believe in Jesus. So we're going to baptize him. We're going to dedicate him to the Lord through this baptism so that one day he can profess faith in Jesus Christ. And eventually, I did profess faith in Jesus Christ. I became a Christian when I was 19. Not long after that, I sensed a call to the ministry, and I, I, I returned to the church that I had grown up in and, and became, uh, went through school and became a pastor in, in that tradition. And so I was a pastoring in a tradition that baptized infants. I baptized dozens, maybe hundreds of babies along the way. But somewhere in my ministry, I began to struggle with the mode of baptism, the type of baptism. And so I decided, and instead of looking to see what uh, Christian leaders said about baptism, I turned to Scripture. And as I studied Scripture, time and time and time again, what I saw was Evidence of people being baptized by immersion who were old enough to say they believed in Jesus. Now, why my parents did something beautiful for me when I was an infant, it wasn't my decision. It was their decision, and it was a beautiful act. So, having studied that, uh, Cynthia and I both decided to, to be baptized by immersion, as obviously as adults, because uh, we were in our 30s by that time, and, and so we, we, we were baptized, but... Here's what we need to look at when it comes to the, what Scripture says about baptism. Here's the first thing that I want you to remember. Baptism by immersion best illustrates our new life in Christ. Think about this. When Jesus instituted baptism, it was a sign of the new covenant for those who believed in him. And it was practiced by immersion. And there's there's numerous ways that we know that from the testimony of Scripture. Here's the first way. The New Testament clearly shows us that baptism was by immersion just by what we read in Scripture. For instance, in John 3.23, it says this. Now, John, meaning John the Baptist, also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. Just a little bit what you need to know about the geography of Israel there's two huge bodies of water in the country of Israel. There's the Sea of Galilee in the north, and there's the Dead Sea in the south. And obviously, to the west is the Mediterranean Sea. John the Baptist was in the wilderness, somewhere between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, far away from the ocean, but he was near the Jordan River, which connects the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea, and so John was practicing a baptism for people to demonstrate that they had repented of their sin, and so he needed to find a place where there was plenty of water. When I read that scripture, it just clicked for me, and here's part of the reason it clicks. As, as a pastor who performs baptism now for believers only, when you're looking to do a baptism outside, you're gonna look for a place where there's plenty of water. Uh, you know, uh, we've baptized here at Valley Brook in Salmon Brook since we've been here. But there's water throughout all of Salmon Brook, but in some places, there's not plenty of water. You know what I mean? It's not deep enough to baptize somebody by immersion. So I understood what that immediately meant. And then as you continue to read, you see that there's evidence in Acts and in Matthew and Mark where it talks about people who either went down into the water to be baptized or came up out of the water to be baptized. This whole idea that baptism was by immersion. Now, again, I share with you like many of you may have been, you you were baptized as infant by sprinkling or pouring. How did sprinkling or pouring happen? Just just a little bit of history about uh, the church. Uh, the, you know, the church, in as it grew and blossomed, it went over the the known world. It became part of what was known as the Roman Empire, and oftentimes the Roman emperor was also a leader in the church and that was the case with the Roman Emperor Constantine who was in the 300s AD but Constantine was very influential very influential not only in the world but also in the church and the culture of the church and also in its theology Uh, Constantine had had a a type of doctrine that we would believe was a false doctrine today. He believed that baptism was significant to your salvation. I don't know that he would say that you were saved by being baptized, but for him, it was very close to it. And so, Constantine decided for, for himself personally, he would not be baptized until the end of his life. So, you study the history books, you realize that uh, around uh, uh, 300 and, uh, 337 A.D., on his deathbed, Constantine was baptized. He wasn't immersed because how are you going to get somebody who's dying into water to immerse? Uh, he was sprinkled. It was poured on. It was called. Uh, it was known as a clinical baptism, and that's what it was. Um, but not only did he, and that was apparently something that many people did in that time. They would wait till later in life because they didn't feel like uh, they wanted to amass a lot of sins. After they were baptized, which obviously negates the whole idea of being forgiven by Jesus when we confess our sins. So the theology was a little off, but that was when the practice of pouring and sprinkling for baptism instead of immersion happened. And then Constantine, also as I said, influential with the doctrine in the church, also began to encourage Parents to have their children baptized as soon as they could after they were born. And again, you're not going to immerse an infant you're going to sprinkle or pour water on it. So that's where the practice came into being. But we understand that the theology, the doctrine behind what Const- Constantine was pushing was all based around this idea of being saved by baptism. And I'll go into that in just a moment. Uh, another reason that we understand that immersion was uh, the way that they did baptism is by the very study of the word for baptism in the Greek language, baptizo. It means to immerse, or it means to dip under. So we begin to see what was going on here. Here's the third thing that we need to understand. How the, uh, when you think about how Paul wrote about baptism. And, and how he said that baptism showed us uh, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus and how we're supposed to identify with that, it, it, it comes out in the writings of Paul. Listen to Romans 6-4. By our baptism, then, we were buried with him and shared his death in order that just as Christ was raised from death, so also you might live a new life. Now remember, even Paul said this, he just recalled Jesus' death and burial. He says in 1 Corinthians, Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. Then in Colossians, we read this. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So there's this idea, when you're baptized, when we baptize people either in here with our horse trough or out in the brook, We lay somebody under the water as if they're buried, and then we bring them back up as if resurrected. This whole idea that we're identifying with Christ through our baptism. The other thing that we need to understand is this, is that that baptism was never meant to be an initiation rite or some type of rite of passage. Baptism was supposed to be a celebration, an identifying yourself with Christ by going public and saying that you were a follower of Jesus. Think about this. In the Old Testament, the sign of the covenant of the Old Covenant was circumcised to uh, any male who was a part of Israel would be circumcised as a sign that they were in the covenant relationship with God. But here's the deal. Any outward sign can be done, but it doesn't mean there's been a heart change. You can go through the motions. You can go through the motions of baptism, But what Jesus said when he told us to go and baptize all people, he said, this is the sign of the new covenant. And it's not supposed to come until after we have believed, after we've accepted Jesus Christ by faith and received the promise of eternal life. Then we're baptized as a statement of our faith, as going public to the world that we've decided to be a follower of Jesus. The most important thing I can say about baptism and doctrine is this. Baptism is not a means of salvation. Baptism is not a means of salvation. If it were, that would be being saved by good works and the good work would be being baptized. Baptism is a sign to the world that we've decided to follow Christ. Uh, Paul wrote about this in Ephesians, he said this, It is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us. So here's this idea that we come to faith in Jesus Christ, and now because Christ has changed our life, made us new persons, yes, in our faithfulness, in our obedience to Jesus, we will do good works, but those good works don't save us. They're the fruit of faith. Baptism is the fruit of faith. It's the sign that you have entered into a new relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that you've become a new person, that you're a follower of him. So, so maybe like me, you were baptized as an infant. And maybe like me, you realized what a wonderful thing your parents did for you but what about your decision that was your parents decision what about your decision to identify with the world that you are a follower of jesus christ that's what jesus calls us to do i read something this week that was very profound Christian missionaries in South Asia have listed a series of questions that some of the church planters ask their new believers who are considering baptism. Uh, In this country, it's predominantly Hindu, and uh, these are the questions that they would ask, basically to have a reality check for, with those new believers of what it meant in their culture to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't ask these questions to people here in the United States, but listen to these and think about how profound it is to identify to be a follower of Jesus Christ by your faith and by being baptized publicly. These are the questions. Are you willing to leave home and lose the blessing of your parents? Are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to go to the village and to those who persecute you and forgive them and share the love of Christ with them? Are you willing to give an offering to the Lord? Are you willing to be beaten rather than deny your faith? Are you willing to go to prison? Are you willing to die for Jesus? Those are sobering questions, things that we don't have to think about. But in the scriptures, Jesus said that we're supposed to follow him. It's a sign of our love to him if we obey his commands. So I want to challenge each of you today to consider what Jesus is calling you to do. And if it is to be baptized uh, by immersion, let us know. We'd love to do that. We're going to be baptizing next Sunday and then again in September. But I want to encourage you to wrestle with this with the Lord. It's not a good work. It's not a legalism. It's the fact that Jesus has called us to do this as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you call us to follow you, to take a stand for you. And Lord, that comes from being faithful to your commands. And Lord, we all wrestle with them at different times and different places. So I pray, Lord, for any of us that are wrestling with this teaching on baptism, that that you would speak to us, that you would guide us, and that we would understand what you desire for us, and that we wouldn't be ashamed of you or your gospel, that we would be faithful followers of you each and every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.